Good morning everyone and welcome here to Essex Church, home of Kensington Unitarians. Whether you're here for the first time, a returning visitor, a listener on the podcast, or whether you have your spiritual home here, welcome. I'm Janine Powell, a member of this congregation, and I'll be leading today's service as our minister, Sarah, is away this week. So let's start with some adapted opening words by Krista Taves. Whether you have come here with heart full or heart empty, with spirits high or low, rested or tired, hopeful or despairing, whether you have come here out of habit, conviction, loneliness or curiosity, you belong here because you are here and all that you have and all that you are is welcome here. This morning we are together the heartbeat of this congregation. We're going to light our chalice now, our worldwide sign of our liberal faith. And this week particularly, let us think of all those running in the marathon through our London streets today, and that they're doing it for so many different reasons. Remembering loved ones lost to diseases or unjust circumstances, in gratitude for their health, in being able to raise, rise to the challenge of the 26.2 miles, or as a way to raise much-needed funds and awareness for charities which do so much good work to help transform our hurting and conflict-ridden world. Using a spark of hope, they kindle the flame of love, ignite the light of peace, and feed the flame of injustice. Thank you, Greta. We have a short story now by Megan McKenna about a master violin maker and his apprentice. Once upon a time, there was a master violin maker. His instruments were exquisite, and the sound that could be drawn from them was beyond description. He only accepted a small number of apprentices, and he took them through the long and arduous process of making a violin, from the choice of the tree to how to string the piece at the very end after the varnish. There was one apprentice, an especially adept one, who had trouble with only one aspect of that process, the choice of wood. He had mastered all the other levels, but would balk at the choice of which tree to mark and cut to form the base of the violin. 
Finally, the master took him out to the forest again. It was the dead of winter, a frightfully cold and windy day, with snow swirling and ice thickly hung in all the trees. They walked north, and the master started marking out the different trees. Why? the apprentice queried. Why these? The master answered, they face due north and they take the brunt of the wind and the chill and the ice. They make the best violins. They returned. The storm grew stronger and the student asked the teacher, Master, doesn't it bother you to think about the trees that you have marked, standing alone in the wind, standing against all the ice and the fury? Have you no pity for them? The master eyed him and smiled. No, not at all. You see, through that ice and wind, they are being tuned. So that's the story of the master violin maker. Let's turn inwards in a time of prayer and reflection. Great mystery, spirit of life and love, here in this space we are gathered, called to do our part in weaving a web of human community. Here, in this space, some of us have come in turmoil and pain, holding concerns from their own lives or from the life of the wider world. May we pause for a moment and hold gently all the worries and sadnesses named and unnamed, that are gathered in this room with us today. And in the complexities of community, it is right that in this space, some have come with joy bubbling in their heart. May we rejoice together, remembering the wisdom that says joys are multiplied when shared. May we remember gratitude for warmth, thankfulness for sunshine appreciation for the simple tastes of whatever food our lives and bodies let us choose. Here, in this space, we are called to weave the web of human community.
May we pause for a moment and in our silence remember at least one blessing, one joy, no matter how small, that has touched our life this week. May our shared silence be a blessing on our hearts, on this community, and may this blessing extend outwards to grace the wider world. Amen. We have a couple of readings now and actually one is a short extract and the other a longer reading, which are actually part of one written piece, in which Brenny Brown and Unitarian Universalist minister Erica Hewitt write about the habit of attributing a hierarchy of pain to situations and events. Empathy is not finite, and compassion is not a pizza with eight slices. When you practice empathy and compassion with someone, there is not less of these qualities to go around. There's more. Love is the last thing we need to ration in this world. The refugee in Syria doesn't benefit more if you conserve your kindness only for her and withhold it from your neighbour who's going through a divorce. When I picked up her call, Kira's voice was thick with tears. Kira, one of my best friends, is the mother of four-year-old twins, working full-time and grieving a recent divorce, which means she's also learning how to be a single parent. I lost it tonight, she confessed in a rush. The kids pushed me over the limit at bedtime. I yelled and then I started sobbing so hard that I had to sit on the floor. I hate that my children had to see that. I'm so overwhelmed. I listened as Kira continued. But I worked with a woman who lived through the Bosnian War, and she's still smiling. So I figure I should be able to do this. I should be grateful and stop complaining. I'm not a parent, but I recognise the voice of this particular demon all too well. Your pain isn't legitimate, it taunts. Sorrow is a competitive sport, and you're a loser. Only when I'm upright again do I manage to tell that demon to take a flying leap. Pain is the most common human experience, along with our body's primeval appetites. From my own intimate history with sorrow, pain is also the human experience we most exert ourselves dismissing or secreting away. 
for many reasons, real and imagined. What a loss it is to diminish our sorrow or fear, rather than bringing it to the companions and helpers that we trust, and to the proving ground of vulnerability between us. I believe that we're all entitled to our pain, that there's no hierarchy of grief or fear in which someone else's pain invalidates our own. If anything, giving voice to our pain metabolises it. We come to hold it instead of it holding us. Better yet, sorrow is an invitation to recalibrate our hearts so that we can view one another with both more gentleness and a sense of recognition. You too, me too. It's like a homing device, pinging out our longing for connection. My wish for all of us wounded, scared human beings is that we remain watchful for those who would frame compassion as a pizza with eight slices, rather than its true nature, mysterious and abundant, the place where we knit ourselves into each other's lives, an evidence of our inherent wholeness. It's good to talk. This was the well-known telephone company slogan back in the 1990s. Can you remember which um, telephone? Yes, BT. <laughs> and whilst their intention was to rebrand and get more customers, the message and sentiment itself touched on a deeper truth. It's good to talk. Now, I'm biased in my thinking having studied and trained in talking therapies over the years. But one of the main ideas behind talking therapies is the power of conversation and other means to transform a person's painful feelings and experience. And the power of talking as a way to transform painful experiences came back to me when thinking about what service subject to do for this month's theme of transformation. And that coincided with me watching the film Lion, which I know some of you have seen. It's a film based on true events telling the story of Saru, a five-year-old boy, or as a five-year-old boy, who got lost in Calcutta. And through many twists and turns, he ended up being transracially adopted by a couple in Tasmania. As a young adult, he struggled with his past, experiencing depression, the impact of his adoption, and upon opening up to close friends, he decided to search for his birth family. Now, I'm not going to tell you how it ended in case some of you haven't seen it, um, but it was truly inspiring. And a word of warning, if, you go, if you're going to see it, it's, it's quite a moving, touching and sad film, so do take a tissue or ten. Although the details may be different, the emotional and psychological journey is all too familiar, with many people struggling with things which have happened to them 
things they've experienced in their lives, whether in childhood or as a younger or older adult, some things that are current and some things past. Painful experiences are part of being human, of living and of being alive. And as mentioned in the readings that we heard earlier, which Brian read, what we class as painful for us doesn't need to be the same as anyone else. So attributing a hierarchy to different kinds of events can be damaging as we heard in Kira's example. But I work with a woman who lived through the Bosnian War, and she's still smiling. So I figure I should be able to do this. I should be grateful and stop complaining. In fact, we each have our own personal pain threshold whether emotionally, physically, or mentally, and some would say spiritually too. No one's pain is illegitimate. Not talking about the things we struggle with can lead to feeling isolated, thinking we're the only ones who've experienced this, or that we're flawed in some way for feeling the way that we do, and that can lead to a sense of shame. And shame can have, add a whole new level of pain to the pain we're already experiencing. <coughs> Brené Brown, whose extract Gina read, has also done research into shame and she concludes this. If you put shame into a petri dish, it needs three things to grow exponentially. Exponentially. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. If you put the same amount of shame in a petri dish and douse it with empathy, it cannot survive. But empathy can only come through talking and sharing our thoughts, feelings and experiences with others. Talking. But when in pain, whether physical, emotional or mental, all too often we can keep it to ourselves when asked, how are you, it can be all too easy to reply, I'm fine, as part of the expected cultural norm, and maybe you can relate to having done this. And especially if what you're dealing with is something you imagine you'll be stigmatised for. If you've ever had anyone confide in you, you may have also had the experience of that person saying, it's only me. I know I have. But I also know that I have told people, no, it's not only you. 
And I go on to tell them that there are other people in the world who have that same issue, maybe referencing a media story or a charity I've heard which supports people dealing with that same thing. It can be such a huge relief for ourselves and other people knowing that we're not alone. Alone in our difficulties, alone in our pains and our struggles of life, and even alone in our ways of dealing with things. The fact is, there are so many common issues within our society that we don't talk about to each other. One issue being highlighted very much at this moment is talking about mental distress and pain. The Heads Together campaign, which is the lead charity of today's London Marathon and backed by members of the royal family, is working to shatter the stigma about mental health by encouraging people to talk more. They have enlisted well-known people from different fields to share their stories of experiencing different mental health issues. The hope is to change the societal-wide attitude toward mental health and reduce the stigma, shame and isolation people often face when trying to deal with it alone. Charities such as Samaritans, which was contacted over 640,000 times in 2016 by phone, emails, text messages and face-to-face, show that the need for not facing things alone continues to be something greatly desired by people experiencing distress. Talking, being heard and truly listened to, helps us to weather the internal and external storms inherent in life. And I believe that's the core of the transformational process. Like the trees in the story that we heard, when the apprentice asked about the effects of the trees in the story, hit by the winds and the snow, the master violin maker replied, they're being tuned and would later be turned into the most beautiful sounding violins. And you may have experienced this for yourself to some degree or another, whether through chatting with family members over a cup of tea and sharing how your long-standing back pain is affecting you, or visiting a therapist on a weekly basis to work through your feelings of grief and loss over the death of a loved one, or contacting a helpline as life's pressures and pains 
have got all a bit too much at that moment. Or another way, perhaps. Talking can seem like such a small thing. And being listened to can make such a huge difference. And a difference we can offer to others too. Listening to the truth of another's experience is an act of love. And we know how love's power can transform. But if you're anything like me, although I've had the training that I have had, at times I want to jump in and fix another's problem, offer a solution, or just plain do it for them, especially when it's someone close to us and someone we love. It's so easy for us to do. But being able to truly listen, to hear and at times witness another's pain as much as we're able to, can be so holding for them and aid them to find the roots to the lasting help that they need. In this way, we facilitate the transformational process of the lives of someone else. So I'll leave you with a poem if you're someone who's also tempted to fix, do it for, or find another solution. A poem which many of you may have heard before, and its author is unknown. It's called Listen. When I ask you to listen to me, and you start giving me advice, you have not done what I asked. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you are trampling on my feelings. When I ask you to listen to me and you feel you have to do something to solve my problem, you have failed me, strange as that may seem. Listen. All I ask is that you listen. Don't talk or do, just hear me. When you do something for me that I can and need to do for myself, you contribute to my fear and inadequacy. But when you accept as a simple fact that I feel what I feel, no matter how irrational, then I can stop trying to convince you and get about the business of understanding what's behind this irrational feeling. And when that's clear, the answers are obvious and I don't need advice. Irrational feelings make sense 
when we understand what's behind them. So please listen and just hear me. And if you want to talk, wait a minute for your turn and I will listen to you. So may it be. Amen. The quote on your order of service from Richard Rohr says, Spirituality is always eventually about what you do with your pain. He goes on to say, It seems our culture has lost its own spiritual foundation and centre, and as a result, we no longer know what to do with our universal pain. If we do not transform our pain, we will always transmit it to our partner, our spouse, our children, our friends, our co-workers or our enemies. In the week ahead, may what we do with our pain be a testament to our spiritual lives. May we be aided in compassionate kindness to hear one another's pain in ways which help and heal, not hinder and harm. And may we be of service to the wider world in ways which bring justice, peace and equality for all. May we go in peace and blessed be. Amen.